0: This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre recorded. This is Women to
1: Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last
2: one of your dreams.
3: Women to Watch. Sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for
2: those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change
3: be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams
1: true philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given
0: now women to watch here's your host sue rocco
2: Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for being with me for another week of Women To Watch. I am so fortunate to be able to continue to do the show from my home as we all listen and learn from the experts on how to best proceed during this pandemic, and I hope you all continue to be safe and surround yourselves with people and things that lift you up. Joining me in just a few moments is Dr. Sean Duparin. And Dr. Sean is the CEO of Sean TV and the founder of Project Forgive, which really is an extraordinary project based on a real life event that changed the lives of two families and later on became a foundation that educates students on the importance of forgiveness, uh, diversity, integrity, and compassion in the workplace. So we're gonna have a really wonderful conversation. Uh, be sure to stay with us as we go into our breaks and you'll hear from our watch team of on-air contributors. Um, and be sure um, to visit our website if you'd like to learn more about each one of them, you can do so at womentowatch.net. And that's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. Uh, And be sure to sign up for our newsletter there as well to see who's coming up next on the show. So now I'm very thrilled and honored. I've been looking forward to this interview for quite some time. And welcome to the show, Dr. Sean. Thanks so much for being with me. You're welcome.
4: I'm tickled to be here.
2: Well, you know, I've been following you for quite some time um, on social media and just really connecting very much to everything that you put out into the world, um, not only through your work, but through your messaging. And um, it's funny, when I was preparing for this show and drafting my questions, I kept adding more and more questions. So I'm going to do my best to get through um, each one of them. And I'll tell you what, I wanted to, I kind of changed things up a bit when I I typically start you know, with your background, your growing up years, where you're from. And really in light of the circumstances, I wanted to bring to the forefront a question I was gonna ask later in the show. Um, sure. Because I, I read a, an interesting tidbit about you. Um, you shared once that you used to carry around a cassette tape of the music from ah. the field of dreams uh, to listen to whenever you were scared. And oh my gosh. I, I wanted to know what what you're doing today when you're scared, because I think we're all, you know, at different levels. But we're all um, in a place of fear right now with with what's going on.
4: Wow. And, you know, that's so funny that you said that, because I remember my first job interview working for a TV station. I was I was interviewing. I was a single mother. I was terrified, and I loved that music from the Field of Dreams. It just always touched my heart, and I felt like I could do anything. One of the thing, and, it, and it's funny too, because I just pulled that cassette because I have the cassette with uh, you know Kevin Costner on the front of that. Do you remember what that looked like? Kevin yeah. Coster oh, sure. Movie? I yeah. do. I yeah. do. Yeah. And, uh, and I was just thinking about playing that again. One of the things I've been doing is listening to birds. Believe it or not. Um, my life now has become about joy. Like what, what, what are the sounds of joy? What brings me joy and the sound of birds really soothes me. And, mm. um, and that's one of the things I've been doing. Yeah. Because it's tough right now. Holy smokes.
2: It is. It is. And I think the biggest thing is just our lack of ability to control so much of what's going on. Um, you know, helping people move through fear is a big part of what you do. Um, yeah. And one of the things I like to ask, and I'll share this with my children or my husband, um, is, you know, what is the worst case scenario? Um, And I wonder if you think that's a good tactic or or a good question to ask of ourselves or people we're talking to when they're struggling with fear.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a it's a continuum Because what's really going on right now is so much change is happening and our brains have a hard time embracing it. Our amygdala brain goes into fight or flight. And we have these deep neurological pathways. It's kinda like if your car is stuck in the snow and you're trying to get the tire out and you keep, you know, hitting the gas and it keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's what happens to us right now in the midst of high change and high fear. So asking poignant questions like what you're saying right now is a great way to start getting the car rocked out of that snow, if that's a good analogy. And yeah. um the other Yeah, another way to do it, too, is just start focusing on other things. This is not about denial at all. This is not about being in denial. It's about focusing on other things to help you pivot and think about other things. Like if you just love your dog, you know, if you just think about your dog and you just feel so happy, it gives you a moment of reprieve from those neurological pathways that are so deep and so hard. And another piece, too, like I'm a news junkie. Like I love the news. I've been... Staying away from the news, not for denial. This is not about denial. It's because every time I go into that news mode, I can feel my chest getting heavy. I can feel the intensity mm. in my chest and the fear. And that's just not good for me. So I'm, I'm limited to once a day. I'm checking in on the news. Um, this has nothing to do with your political persuasion, not even close. It's about right. inundating your nervous system with that fight or flight that we're in the midst of globally. And we're doing it collectively, which makes it even more pronounced.
2: That's right. Right. The, the, our awareness and knowledge of what's happening on a global scale as opposed to just in our own community, um, which is where I think it used to be, you know, years ago, um, is can be heavy and, and too yeah. much. Yeah. So. Project Forgive focuses on extraordinary acts of forgiveness in the face of heartbreak and, and tragedy and explores the meaning of forgiveness. And I wonder if you can tell us about your own personal act of forgiveness that changed your life.
4: You know, if you would ask asked me this five years ago, I would have talked to. Can I talk really straight here, Sue? Is that cool?
2: Yes. You, yes, you can. Yes. That's what this yes. show is um, about. Yes.
4: Perfect. Because uh, I'm a pretty straight talker and I've shared my story. I'm an incest survivor. And five years ago, I would have said that's probably been the most daunting task of going through the stages of forgiveness with forgiving my stepdad, my stepdad with my perpetrator. And here I am, 56 years old. I've been doing this work for, what, 40 years. And in these last couple of years of my life, everything has changed. You know how life just changes? Mm-hmm. And um, in this last year and a half or so, I've uh, I've lost my sister, I've lost my father, and I've lost my mother. And um, wow. so I've yeah. lost my entire family in the last year and a half. And um, I'm still in that process. Um, and it has changed me profoundly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say I don't give a crap. Is it okay if I say crap on your show? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. like, nothing, like, be,
2: nothing beyond that. <laughs> okay, got it. Yes, you totally. Got
4: yeah. It. yeah, and and I don't give a crap. And meaning, not like I don't care about anything, but I'm so different now, and I'm so different now. Like I do things that bring me joy. I say the things that are important. I I'm focusing on things that because I know how quickly it can change. And I think now, especially with people dealing with with all of us dealing with this pandemic. People are losing people, and this Mm. is a journey, a loss, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. Listen, we're going to go into our first break, and when we come back, I want to pick up on this conversation. Stay with us for our Tech Watch with Mary Manzo from Pathways Consulting. We'll be right back.
1: Introducing
4: Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They
3: execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG. Now, the women to watch. TechWatch.
1: Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. I was doing some research this weekend about new technology trends that are being fast-forwarded due to COVID-19 and came across some articles from 2019. Many of the articles talked about technology advancements that would begin rolling out in 2020. The great news for us is that since some of these technologies were already in the works. They've been quickly rolling out at a time when we really need them. Over the course of the next few weeks, I'll be dedicating my series on the types of technology advancements that have been made due to the present conditions in our world. One of the greatest advancements I've read about was connective technology services such as telemedicine. Think about how critical this is for us at this moment in time. This sophisticated technology allows patients to receive treatment from home while staying connected to the physician network. This technology has been gaining traction in 2019 and now in 2020 is becoming more the norm. The telemedicine allows individuals access to a variety of healthcare systems without leaving the house, reducing trips to the doctor. Telemedicine is also allowing the ability to fundamentally re examine our approach to healthcare in general. Now, I don't believe telemedicine should be viewed as a complete alternative to going to the doctor's office, but it could be used for such things as patient follow-ups, and when paired with remote patient monitoring through home-use medical devices, physicians can gather essential medical information like vital signs or glucose levels and make certain diagnosis without patients stepping foot in the doctor's office and limiting them to the exposure of such things as COVID-19 or the flu. What a relief this can bring to many of us who have loved ones that need continuous follow-ups with physicians. If you have information you'd like to share on this topic, email me at mary at pathwayscg.com.
2: Welcome back. I'm having a wonderful conversation with Dr. Sean. She is the CEO of Sean TV and the founder of Project Forgive. And just before the break, you shared very candidly and openly about being a survivor of incest, which really is a major part of your life story. And I read, you know, I think that there's certain stages in order for us to Come to accept certain things that have happened in our lives, and I, I wondered if you could kind of lay out how or or when, I should say, maybe at what age you were able to move through the path of grief and anger, and then acceptance, and then finally a solution.
4: Yeah, that's a great question because I know a lot of folks that are listening are dealing with issues, whatever they happen to be, and there are. But you know different researchers say there's different stages of forgiveness and I've kind of boiled it down to five um, based upon the research and tried to make it as simple and understandable as proce- as possible and it goes shock, anger, grief, acceptance, and peace and These five stages are non-linear. It isn't like, oh, one day you're angry, one day you're grieving, one day you're this. It doesn't work that way at all. It's a process. And the, the journey of forgiveness, depending upon how deep the wound is, the longer the journey has been my experience, especially with the documentary we're doing and all the research I've done around it. And I would say I'm at the slash acceptance peace stage. And there's so many myths around forgiveness that you have to forgive and forget. That's just hogwash. How if your child is killed in a car accident? How are you ever going to forget that? It, that will never happen. So forgive mm. and forget is a myth. It's for, forgive and remember in a different way as you heal. And those th- that. It's not that nonlinear process, like one day you're angry, one day you're in shock again, one day you're back to peace, one day you're back to grief. And the hardest of all five that's been my experience and the people I've interviewed around it is the grief stage. And that's why I see right now with what's going on with the pandemic is we have this collective grief. Grief is hard to be with. And, you know, like, what is the distinction between grieving versus suffering? Because we've all been in that suffering place where we're just complaining, 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 and nothing ever moves. And what really is true grief? And it's a surrender. Grief is a surrender. And one of the things that I'm finding during this pandemic for me is to surrender. Because it doesn't mean I'm in grief all the time. I've had a lot of joy, you know, during this, you know, stay-at-home kind of order that's been going on. And just allowing all the feelings to come up that need to come up and going in with the flow like on a river.
2: I love that word surrender. I think it's so powerful in in really what people need to do in order to move forward. Right. Yeah, that's that surrender. Um, and I also love that that, you know, the last stage of of all of that forgiveness is peace. Because isn't that yeah. ultimately what everyone is looking for?
4: Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's about readjusting our definitions of what, like, forgiveness really is. Because it's different for everybody. And forgiveness, to me, is really about accepting what's so. You know, because people say, Did you, have you forgiven your stepdad? And, you know, like, I don't really think about it like that. I've come to a beautiful place of acceptance and peace. What, could I honestly say out loud, oh, I forgive them definitively? No, I don't think so. You know, and I yeah, don't know if I ever yeah. will. It's right. not about that. It's about how do I feel? How do I thrive in the world? How do I have compassion for others? It's it's just a different kind of focus.
2: But And you know what? It's about how you want to feel, right? So I actually looked up the definition of forgive, and it yeah. said letting go of anger towards another another that's for you right that's a gift to you Um, you know for our listeners who might not be familiar with your work uh, project forgive was inspired by a real life incident uh, where a man lost his wife and two children to a drunk Mm -hmm. driver um, and came to forgive them so that's unimaginable to a lot of people and you ended up knowing both families yeah. I had two question, two questions sure. when you got the news so when that call came or that person however you got that news what was your immediate reaction what was my that immediate, immediate yeah I
4: love that question my immediate reaction first I had some shock like oh my gosh this is really real and mm-hmm. I was not surprised that it could happen to the two most amazing families because it would take two amazing families for this to happen, two or four. I like to say things happen for us rather than to us, because they would handle this with grace and love and compassion, and both families did. And um, I, that day, my daughter said to me, "She said, Mom, you're going to be doing a documentary on this. You're going to be doing a." And we ended up doing a five-minute video like a week later. And um, I just knew what? something profound would happen from this. Like
2: I got goosebumps even when I say it.
4: Wow. Because it would, the the circumstances were just so outrageous.
2: Wow! And so quickly after. In, yeah. in other words, it seems as though you immediately knew this was something that was going to become much bigger for yeah. you oh, and yeah. your life. Wow. Um, can you explain the why of forgiving the driver? In other words, how would you describe? why we need to do it or why it's important. And maybe we just touched on that, but what is your why? Yeah,
4: yeah. Um, for me, it's the why is the journey of it. Because we are, we're all gonna have a destination, whether one of our destinations is to get married or to get through college or to get to retirement. We always have a journey like a carrot ahead of us. It's what happens on the journey that transforms us into amazing, exquisite, loving people. And heartbreak like this, and I'm sure many of us even participating in this conversation have had some kind of horrific heartache. And the the ability to move through that is what changes us and has us grow more vulnerable and closer to those that we love around us. Finally, getting to the end of the destination me is kind of like dying because the journey is going to keep going forever and ever and ever. We're all going to face heartache throughout our entire life.
2: Mm, love that. Um, stay with us uh, as we go into our break for our finance watch. We'll be right back with Dr. Sean.
0: If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting.
5: Women to
3: watch. Finance watch.
5: Hi, this is Maggie, and I'm from Fortis Wealth. From the cashier to the emergency room nurse to the drugstore pharmacist to the home health aide taking the bus to check on her older client, the soldier on the front lines of this current national emergency is most likely a woman, according to the New York Times. One in three jobs held by women has been designated as essential, according to a New York Times analysis of census data. Non-white women are more likely to be doing essential jobs than anyone else. The work they do has often been underpaid and undervalued, an unseen labor force that keeps the country running and takes care of the most in need, whether or not there is a pandemic. Women make up nearly 9 out of 10 nurses and nurses' assistants, most respiratory therapists, a majority of pharmacists, and an overwhelming majority of pharmacy aides and technicians. More than two-thirds of workers at grocery store checkouts and fast food counters are women. In normal times, men are a majority of the overall workforce, but this crisis has flipped that. In March, the Department of Homeland Security released a memo identifying essential critical infrastructure workers, an advisory guide for state and federal officials. It listed scores of jobs suggesting they were too vital to be halted, even as cities and whole states were on lockdown. A majority of those jobs are held by women. Men do make up a majority of workers in a number of essential sectors, including law enforcement, transit, and public utilities, and millions face serious and unquestionable risk as they head to work every day. But there are simply not as many of these jobs as there are in the industry at the forefront healthcare. There are 19 million healthcare workers nationwide, nearly three times as many in agriculture, law enforcement, and the package delivery industry combined. This care workforce, said Mignon Duffy, a professor at the University of Massachusetts Lowell who studies women and labor, is part of the infrastructure of our whole society. It holds everything together. We at Fortis applaud all of our health co-workers, men and women, and we thank them for getting us through these uncertain times. This is Maggie, and I'm from Fortis Wealth. This is Women to Watch
3: with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210
2: Dr. Sean, you know, we were talking in the beginning of the show about all the wonderful things um, that forgiveness can do for people in their life journey and just really about personal development. Something that's interesting about your work is that you've taken it and implemented it in business and you work with leaders and executives. And um, I, I guess. I had a couple questions around this. When did you Mm -hmm. first recognize the shift of this awareness about the importance of diversity and integrity and compassion and and even forgiveness in the workplace? When did you recognize this, that it was, you know, it needed to be brought into the workplace and, and, and spoken about?
4: You know, that's so funny that you asked that because I feel like I've been working on forgiveness before it was even popular or even a conversation. And, yeah, uh, probably. Yeah. 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 And um, so forgiveness has always been a huge tenant of our agency. You know, we do a lot on high pressure communication. So, you know, like, hey, you need like you're working with someone, you, you want their job, they get the job and now you have to work with them on a team and now you can't stand them and you got to work with them. Like, how do you deal with that kind of stuff? Or as Mm. a leader, you're taking risks coming on a media interview, for instance. People get scared when they come on interviews, and sometimes they screw up. And who are you going to be when you didn't do as good of a job as you wanted to do? So forgiveness has always been part of that theme of what we do. It was just natural when Gary's family was killed by a drunk driver and we decided to do video. I mean, that just was a natural progression in the forgiveness conversation.
2: Wow. Um, How do you deal with the... I'll, I'll say naysayers when um, you go in to work with somebody in a business or a company and people that are kind of steeped still in that old fashioned way of doing business and don't recognize the importance of paying attention to all those things we just talked about. What is it that kind of what's your go to uh, message to get them to to see why it is important?
4: You know what, it's more about an experience than what you can say, because people don't change unless they have some kind of an experiential understanding or something happens in engagement where they can shift. So we do it through training. So we might start with engagement in the workplace and start working our way towards conversations forgiveness. By the time we're done training, it's a done deal. It's it's never has been an issue and it never will be.
2: Um, Why did you decide to study gossip? (laughs) Good gossip, Uh I'll say. Yeah. Where did that come from?
4: Yeah, you know what got me? When I was was getting my master's degree and I started looking at the conversation of gossip because I was working in a newsroom, and when I saw where the word came from, the word gossip comes from the word God-sib, meaning close to God. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And what would happen in the 8th, 9th, and 10th centuries, the doulas would deliver babies and they'd spread the precious news that a child of God was born. And I'm like, well, isn't that interesting? And then I started diving deeper and found out that that mean, nasty stuff is only about 5 to 7% of our talking. That that bad gossip, it's really not who we are. That good gossip really does make a difference. And so Project Forgive, even when we started it, that was part of the case study of what, what can you do with good gossip. And, you know, we reach millions now on social media. And so what we learned really, really worked. And the power to make things go viral in good gossip really inspires me.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I think about the media when we when we talk about that good gossip and you um worked as a reporter in the news Mm -hmm. at one time how do you view this phenomena that's happening now where um it's evolved into this lack of trust in the media and and how and when and do you see that we can get that back
4: well i think it's going to take decades for what little trust was there for the media to come back i do um, it's kind of like reporters have been seen like used car salesmen. We don't have like a good opinion of used car salesmen. And what's been happening is, you know, all the fake news conversations, all the things that are happening, there's so many pieces to it. It's going to take a long time to build that trust again. I hope we get there again because there's some high value to the media that we receive. There's also a lot of pain around it. I think we got you know, even bigger issues than just media. Now we got a lot of issues going on.
2: I think it'll be extremely fascinating to see what's on the other side of this pandemic. Right. So this um, the entire globe has been forced to be still, which is really fascinating. What what do you think is on the other side of that? What lesson?
4: Um, Well, I hope one of them would be around our planet, because if you've been seeing the before and after pictures of smog, like in Los Angeles, what's going on in India, it's like, oh, my gosh, like it's a it's a wake up call to what we're actually doing to our planet. And I hope we as individuals and we as leaders will actually heed and listen to those warnings, because I do think they're deep, deep warnings about what's ahead for us if we don't take care of our planet.
2: Dr. Sean, who is someone that you learn from? So you're out there and really reaching, as you said, millions of people. And I think they connect with your work and um, your information because it, it, it touches at their heart. Who is someone that you go and learn from?
4: Well, I've got many. Um, I, of course, I want to pick a woman to watch. and. One of the people I deeply admire, believe it or not, is Mary Barra of general Motors oh
2: sure yes
4: yes yeah i uh I watch her, and um what i what I watch about her is leading with intelligence and how she holds her emotions um she doesn't lash out with emotions no she she's just very solid and I just there's just something about her I like how she moves I like how she talks I like how she leads and she's someone that deeply deeply inspires me
6: I
2: agree with you but I do think that Mm -hmm. it's very tough to to lead without uh emotion coming when you're a high profile high level role like that um listen we're going to go into our last break stay with us for Dr. Mary Ann Ritchie for our health watch you're listening to women to watch we'll be right back
3: Watch, Health Watch! For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Reports identify the elderly as the most vulnerable population for severe cases and death from COVID-19. Plus, the novel virus spreads quickly in group living situations like skilled nursing facilities, prisons, where residents live in close quarters. Unlike the flu, COVID-19 is much more contagious, no vaccine, no one's ever had it, no one has immunity. In this week's New England Journal of Medicine, a study looked at a skilled nursing facility in Seattle. The county health department and CDC reported 64% tested positive. More than half had no symptoms when tested, but they were shedding the virus just like those who did have symptoms. Conclusion? Like the general community, widespread testing will help prevent spread by isolating residents and staff with positive tests before they have symptoms. Here's the important message for you. The elderly are at risk because they often have a weaker immune system, hence the different flu vaccine for older people. And the ability to regulate temperature is altered. Some elderly people with infection don't make a fever. And with COVID, they can have atypical symptoms. An article from Kaiser Health News has comments from several geriatric specialists. Instead of fever, cough, some may just seem off, not acting like themselves. They may sleep more, stop eating, become apathetic or confused, stop speaking. Had a previous stroke, and they might have a weak cough reflex. An Atlanta physician described a patient with diabetes, mild confusion, who stopped talking, became lethargic, and incontinent. His wife called 911. They came twice and both times said he was okay. Then the doctor insisted the man go to the hospital where he was tested positive. A Swiss physician made a list of atypical symptoms. Change in the usual mental status, fainting, lethargy, low blood pressure, painful swallowing, diarrhea. Less eating and dehydration can lead to falling. So, divas, protect your elderly loved ones. Don't take no for an answer. You're listening to Women to Watch with Surago on Talk Radio 1210
2: WPHD. Dr. Sean, I cannot um, share your life story without mentioning that in 2016 you were nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. And I know, right? Like, it's like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that's a big deal. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah. So here's my question. Tell me, what is the connection between forgiveness and peace?
4: Oh, well, I would have to use our tool that was nominated for Nobel Peace Prize, which is accepting the apology you'll never receive, mm. because that that connection really is internal leadership, internal personal development. And um, can I tell you about the tool? Is that okay?
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, please.
4: All right, so so here's where it came from. I have um, a neighbor who, like, I just look at him and I'm annoyed. Do you know how, like, you know people, like, as soon as you see them you just go, You <laughs> just like Without Ugh. them
2: even saying anything.
4: <laughs> they don't have to say nothing. I can feel it go up right. my leg as soon as I see him. Like, he'd say things like, I oh, <laughs> go out to get the mail, and he'd say something like, Well, good morning, Sean. And I'd be like, "Yeah, but Bob—not his real name, but Bob." It's six p.m., and he'd say something like, "Oh, I know, but you look like you just got up." Okay, that's that's the kind of okay neighbor. So yeah, so every time I see him, I like feel so annoyed. I'm like, "Okay, Doctor Sean, you are not practicing what you preach. What is it that you (laughs) can do because you have the power to change this for you?" instead of being annoyed with this guy all the time. So that's where accepting the apology you'll never receive came. So every time I'd see him, I started pretending in my mind that he was apologizing. He was not apologizing, Sue. I was pretending he was apologizing in my mind. And he'd say things like, oh, Dr. Sean, I'm so sorry. As soon as I see you, I get nervous. I get socially awkward. The weirdest things come out of my mouth sometimes. Would you just forgive me? You know, I I just wish I had the the ability to be fast on my feet, but I don't. And I just say some really silly things. Will you forgive me? And I, I could. And what started to happen is I started to change. I started getting less annoyed. It, it isn't a one hit wonder. It's something you practice. And yeah. as you pre- and that's like these are the tools we do with when we work in schools, when we work with probation officers, when they're working with kids that they're really struggling with. Using these tools um, gives you peace and changes who you are in the moment on a dime. So that you can start causing and doing the things you really want to be causing and doing and being the person you really want to be. Cause it was no fun being the annoyed lady walking around every time I'd see my neighbor. Cause in good gossip theory, he probably could tell people like, Oh my gosh, she's such an angry woman. You know, that's how he would gossip about me. You know, <laughs> right. And it's like, right. that was a work, is it? Right. It's just right. a phenomenal tool. Phenomenal tool. I lo-
2: yeah. I love that. I, I, but I, I wonder, isn't, isn't it not once you, discovered that and you know had that revelation can it not work for you all the time in other words will it, will
4: it change yeah, it? yeah sorry it, so here's no, a good here's go another example yeah here's another example um like when we work with corporations millennials millennials hate being called millennials they hate it So when we do this activity, and it's actually an activity you do with another person, so someone actually says out loud and becomes the offending person and apologizes to you, it's as if it's real. It's as if the real person said it to you. So for millennials, for example, the apology would be, as a boss, I'm so sorry I keep calling you a millennial. I'm so sorry that I keep categorizing you like that when you're so unique and so passionate and want to make a difference. And you keep ca- getting categorized in this area of lazy and uninspired and that you want things just handled to, handed to you. Mm, and I'm so yes. sorry we keep categorizing you like that. Would you please forgive us? And we'll work on that. That's another example. Another example, Sue, is with all my family dying. You know, Project Forgive is non-religious, but we all have our pieces of our spiritual parts. And a lot of my forgiveness stuff that I've been working with with all my family dying is God apologizing to me, saying my little Shawnee, you know, I'm so sorry. Your whole family is gone now. I know it doesn't make any sense. It's in divine order. And I know you don't understand. I'm going to just ask that you trust me and know that I'm holding you in my arms and my hands and it's going to be okay. You can tell, even as I say this to you, it moves me Mm because it gives me comfort. And so there's different ways to use the tool to give you comfort and peace because I'm not through while my family passing, you know, I'm in the midst of it.
2: Mm. Yeah. That's really powerful. Um, I know that um, human rights activist Desmond Tutu supports your film. Did you, did yeah. you have an opportunity to meet him?
4: No, but I, he's so, when well, I met his daughter, Reverend M. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we met through, like, Skype and those kinds of things. She's even participated in some of our online uh, virtual leadership trainings. And, um, well, you know, he's the forgiveness king i mean he even wrote a book on the challenge of forgiveness and um he's an amazing human being i wish i could sit with him because everyone calls him father and uh Uh, i really uh, wish i had the opportunity to but he they endorsed us so that was pretty yeah
2: so let's talk about the documentary um you know we when 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 will it be out um and for the listeners again that might not be familiar with it if you could talk about what it uh what it's going to be all about
4: yeah. it's um. It, well, it started, obviously, with Gary and his family that was killed by a drunk driver that was the catalyst for it, like how do you forgive and how do you be upset and how do you have all these feelings all at once? So it's an exploration of forgiveness. So we have many stories that we've interviewed a lot of people. We've done an inquiry of what forgiveness is and what it isn't, you know, what happens to you physiologically, what happens to you emotionally when you forgive. And a lot of stories, and not always just stories of, like, breast cancer or losing a child. It's also like when you're on the freeway and someone cuts you off, and then you're upset for half the day over that because that happens to some people. How do you move through that? And how do you have a better, happier life? So that's the gist of the documentary. And we've got a couple of things on the plate about where it might air, so... I'm hoping I'll know before the next three months when it's going to air and what oh, platform it'll be on. But so we'll know soon. We will know very, very soon. And uh, it's oh, kind good. of with the pandemic, it's actually forcing us to make some choices, too, which is kind of exciting.
2: Well, yeah. Well, right. And don't you I, I believe so strongly that timing can be everything sometimes. And yeah. and when things don't, you know, happen when we think they should, there's always a reason for that. And later is yeah. better right
4: yeah i had to do my own forgiveness work about that around that too i totally get it yes
2: yeah um here's a question dr sean and you know i am not going into politics with this question it's just something i wanted your take on um i heard you say in an interview that donald trump is someone who is constantly violating social norms and i thought what a beautiful description of of him, right? So he's this polarizing figure right now and and really, you know, you can't not think about him and, and what's happening. My question is, how do you think someone like that has the ability to connect with people?
4: Oh, I think that's a complicated question. Um I so this one I'm probably developing. probably too big yeah. for the
2: end of the show right? Yeah, <laughs> too big. Of, yeah. Let's just say that yeah. is complicated and
4: yeah. and I believe that everything he does happen for a reason whether you're pro Trump or anti Trump I just hope and pray that we can come together as a country I really do.
2: Um I'll leave you with this last question. Uh, you have said that each one of us has a platform and yours is clearly forgiveness. Um mm-hmm. I would say mine is is truth. I'm, I'm always seeking mm. truth in all things. How can a woman who, uh, how can she build a business around her platform? In other words, a last bit of advice to a woman listening who wants to take her platform and turn it into a business.
4: You know what? It's about taking that leap of faith, baby. Mm. Take that leap of faith. One life, if anything, you have one life, one leap get those both legs out of two boats, jump in that boat and just go because you are destined for greatness.
2: Wow. Um, Listen, I am so appreciative of your joining us and taking time to share your story, Dr. Sean. Thank you so much. Uh, Thanks for having me. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thank you to our sponsors and watch team for helping me to bring you these inspirational stories. And please continue to stay safe and well as we set our sights on... Reopening and getting back to living. Have a great week, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267 261 3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre recorded.